good to be with you this morning, and I'm glad that uh, we can be together and worship God today. Hope you have your Bibles with you and um, invite you to uh, open them and uh, perhaps take out a piece of paper and a pen or pencil if you'd like and maybe make some notes as we go along. We're going to talk this morning about hearing. Anyone who studies communication will tell you that effective communication involves two components. And that is that there has to be the sender and there has to be a receiver. And both the sender and the receiver have roles that they have to play if the message is going to be communicated effectively. The sender has to uh, speak in a way or write in a way that is clear and that is understood. And the receiver has to listen. They have to read. Uh, They have to acknowledge what is being said and try to understand it and put it into action. Well, as we think about the church, as we think about Christianity, what we have to recognize is that God's plan is a plan that involves communication. And the reason it involves communication is because it involves preaching, and preaching is communication. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21 that God chose to save men through the foolishness of preaching. And in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, you'll remember that the Bible gives us what's called the Great Commission, which says that we are to go into all the world and that we are to preach the gospel. But again, preaching is communication. And so just like any other form of communication, it involves both the sender, the preacher, the proclaimer, But it also involves the receiver, the one who hears the message. Effective preaching involves and requires effective hearing just as much as it does effective speaking. So let's talk this morning about hearing. What is hearing, first of all? How does the Bible define the term? Well, Let's look at some passages in the Old Testament and some passages in the New Testament to help give us an idea of the different ways in which the Bible will use the word hear or hearing. First of all, in the Old Testament, the Bible will talk about hearing just basically as we understand it, as the the simple action of hearing something that is said or done. Like in 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 27 where the Bible tells us that Jonathan just simply did not hear a command that his father Saul had given. But it is also used in some some cases to describe understanding, and particularly the understanding of a language. Like in Genesis chapter 11 and verse number 7, where the Bible says, speaking in context of the Tower of Babel, come And let us go down there and let us confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. The word understand in this passage comes from the same word in the original language of the Bible uh, that uh, that gives us the word hear or hearing. So the idea here is that they will not be able to understand. They might hear it audibly, but they won't be able to understand what it means. The word hearing also is found in the Old Testament in terms of judicial consideration. Like in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 17, where 
Moses is commanded as he sits, or really as those of Israel who would sit as judges, they're commanded to hear both the small and the great. In other words, it doesn't matter what the person's status in society may have been, the responsibility of the judge was to hear them out, was to listen to them, and to give them, as we often say, a fair hearing. That's the responsibility of the judge. So the word hearing is used as it pertains to judicial consideration. But look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9 for a moment, because this is, this is the way that the word hearing is most often used, not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as well, as we'll see in just a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9, you'll recognize this passage. Here's what it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, uh, the Lord is one. And then, of course, we have the command, you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You may know or remember that this, for the Jewish people referred to this section of Scripture as the Shema. And the reason why they refer to it as the Shema is because if you look at the first word of verse number four, the word is here, the Hebrew word for here is the word Shema. And so that's why they refer to this section of scripture in this way. But the thing about this word, as it is used in the Old Testament, is that it's one of those words that context has to define for us. And the way that context defines this word is that when God says, hear, O Israel, the idea is that this is to be a way of life. It is to indicate obedience In some other places in the Bible, it means listen or obey or understand and heed. So it's not just audibly hearing the words that are said, but it's hearing the words that are said and then processing them, understanding them, and applying them to life, making them part of your life. The emphasis is obedience. And that's brought out by the context in the following verses of this this passage. Now, let's look at some words in the uh, passages in the New Testament. We have the same kind of language, the same kind of examples in the New Testament as we do in the Old Testament. Sometimes the word hear in the New Testament just has to do with the action of hearing, like in Mark chapter 7 and verse number 37, where the Bible says that they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He has made both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Literally, those who could not audibly hear, Jesus has made them or given them the ability to hear once again. It is also used in the uh, context of listening attentively or carefully considering the thing that is said. Mark chapter 4 and verse number 3 is an example of this. This is the beginning of Jesus uh, giving the parable of the sower, and he begins this parable by saying, listen. He says, listen, or depending on your translation, hear, behold, a sower went out to sow. So the idea is pay very careful attention and consider carefully what it is that I'm about to tell you. The same kind of thing is found in Mark, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 5, where the Bible will use the word hearing as the idea of paying attention to what is said. Matthew 17 verse 5 This is the Mount of Transfiguration, 
And the apostles of Jesus hear the voice of God saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to this. Hear him. Now, why did God want them to hear Jesus? Well, he wants them to give careful attention to and to heed or to follow or to obey what it is that Jesus says as opposed to, in context of what's going on, Moses or the prophets or those who have existed in the time period of the Old Testament. So here, in the sense of give careful attention to what they're saying, but also heed it or obey it. And then finally, just like in the Old Testament, the word here in the New Testament is used in reference to responding in obedience, responding in action. Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 15, Jesus is giving us instructions on what we should do if a brother sins against us. And he tells us, if, you, uh, if your brother sins against you, then you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, then you have gained your brother. Now, what did Jesus mean by that, if he hears you? He's not saying if he audibly hears the words that are coming out of your mouth. Of course, that's part of it. But the point is, if he hears you, and then if he does the proper action that's needed in order to make the wrong right. So hearing in that passage has to do with action, or it has to do with obedience. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. Paul's speaking to the church in Ephesus, and he says, he's speaking of Christ, and he says, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In this case, when Paul talks about hearing the word of truth, it has to do with obeying the gospel. The point is that they heard the truth, or they heard the gospel, and then they responded to it. So in the New Testament, just like in the Old Testament, often when the Bible talks about hearing, it's not just perceiving, it's not just listening and hearing and then understanding, but it's also applying. It has to do with putting what is heard into action. So those are the different ways that the Bible uses the word hearing in both the Old and New Testament. Now, let's talk a little bit about the role of the hearer. And I want you to turn with me to the context that was read earlier for us in Matthew chapter 13. We mentioned as we began that effective preaching involves effective hearing just as much as it does effective speaking. And this is brought out well in the context of Matthew chapter 13. You see, the problem that we often fall into is that when we're talking about preaching and teaching, we place all of the emphasis on the preacher or on the teacher. We are very concerned about his presentation style. We want to know how loud is his voice. We want to know how well does he speak. How well does he uh, outline his lesson? We put all of the emphasis on the one who's doing the preaching or the one who's doing the teaching, and we put almost no emphasis on the one who is doing the hearing. And sometimes we concentrate so much on the presentation that we develop what really amounts to a sinful attitude. Like this, well, I'm not going to come to Bible class because I don't like the way that he teaches Bible class. Or I think maybe that I need to find another congregation because I don't like the way that the preacher preaches. He doesn't preach loud enough for me. You see, we focus on, we focus on the presentation things 
But we don't focus on the role of the hearer in hearing the content of what is said. I remember one time being told in another congregation where I was preaching that if I didn't stand on the floor and preach with the New King James Version and use a PowerPoint presentation for every single sermon, that the people would not be able to learn or effectively apply what was being said. That's all the emphasis in all the wrong places. It is true that presentation is important. There's a reason why we have schools of preaching and we study homiletics and we study public speaking. There's a reason why we do that. But it's also true that there are always going to be some people who are more talented than others when it comes to presenting God's word. So we cannot allow ourselves to get lost in thinking all about the style and the ability of the presenter, we have to also think about what he's saying and we have to think about our job as those who hear what's being said. And in order to prove that, look at Matthew chapter 13 because what this tells us is that even the most powerful preacher is only half of the equation. In Matthew chapter 13, our context, verse 15 and 16, Jesus is answering a question Uh, that's posed in verse number 10 about why he speaks in parables. And then he gives this long answer, which Gary read for us so, uh, so well a little while ago. He said, because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. Listen to this, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will not hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and shall not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest they, should see with, uh, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Now, first of all, notice that Jesus is contrasting two groups in this context. And who are the groups? If you go back and read the last two chapters before this, Matthew chapter 11 and chapter 12, what you're going to find is that there is occasion after occasion or example after example of those uh, of Israel who were hard-hearted and who were stubborn and who refused to listen to what the Lord was saying. Even Jesus, the greatest preacher that this world has ever seen, the greatest communicator that this world will ever know, even the Son of God in his speaking and his teaching ability was only half of the equation. Because what he tells us in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10 and following, is that there were some who their hearts were so hard and their attitude was so bad that it didn't matter what Jesus said audibly, it didn't matter what they heard, they were never going to listen. They were never going to understand. They were never going to apply. It would be sort of like going into a museum, maybe in a foreign country, looking at all of the exhibits and noting how beautiful and how exquisite that they, they are, but then looking at the descriptions that are found in front of the exhibit and the description being all in a language that we can't read or understand. 
we might see it and we might even be able to just see the the writing but we have no idea what it says we don't know what it means or maybe hearing someone speak or sing in a foreign language that we don't understand we hear what they're saying but it has no meaning to us because we don't understand what it means that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 13 Jesus is preaching, Jesus is teaching, Jesus is telling people, here's what God wants. But to the Pharisees and the scribes and those others who refused to hear and refused to obey and believe, it was just like hearing Jesus speak in a foreign language. They heard him audibly, but they didn't understand. They weren't ready to receive. They weren't ready to apply. So the issue here is with the hearers. The issue is not with the preacher. So the responsibility, the role of the hearer then is very, very important because it is uh, it's half of the equation. The role of the speaker is one part. The role of the hearer is another. So how can we then fulfill the role of a hearer in an appropriate way? Well, let's talk about that next. What kind of hearer should I be? First of all, let's talk about, uh, let's uh, look at an example This isn't on the uh, uh, PowerPoint. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 2 for a moment. What we have in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and in 1 Samuel chapter 3 is a contrast of the right kind of hearing and the wrong kind of hearing. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning in verse number 22, you may remember that we have the Bible telling us about Eli and his sons. And let's read together, and I want you to focus on every time the Bible uses the word hear or heard in this context. Listen to what it says, 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. The Bible says, Now Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel, how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil doings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father. Now, I want you to notice in verse 22 through 25 that it is said several times that Eli heard about what was going on in Israel. He heard what they were doing. Now you remember in Deuteronomy chapter 6, I told you that the word here is Shema. That's the word that's being used here. Every time Samuel is said to have, or excuse me, Eli is said to have heard about what his sons were doing, it's the word Shema. He heard. But the problem here is is that Eli never acted on what he heard. But there's something else. Look at verse 25. Do you see that the Bible says, nevertheless, they did not heed the word of their father? The word heed is also the word Shema. So it's hearing, but in a negative sense. Eli heard. He knew what was going on. He heard the report, but he wasn't willing to do anything about it. Eli's sons heard the warning or the rebuke that Eli gave them, but they weren't willing to do anything about it either. They heard, both of them, but they did nothing. And the reason, as this uh, context will bear out going on through verse number 29, is because they were rebellious. 
They were hard-hearted, and they were never intent on doing right in the first place. Now look at 1 Samuel chapter 3. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, the Bible tells us that Samuel was a young boy, that he uh, heard the Lord speaking to him as he was sleeping, but he, he thought it was Eli. He ran to Eli, and he said, Here am I. And Eli said, well, I didn't call you. Go and lay down. And so this happened a couple of more times. The Bible says in verse 7 that Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord revealed to him. And so the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he went to Eli, and Eli figures out what's happening. And so he tells him, if you hear this again, then you say this, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So in verse number 10, the Lord came and stood and and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered and said, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Shema, same word. The Holy Spirit uses the same word three different ways in 1 Samuel 2 and 1 Samuel 3. In 1 Samuel 2, he uses it to tell us that Eli had audibly heard the report of what his sons were doing, and then he uses it to tell us that his sons audibly heard what Eli, their father, said to them, but refused to obey. But then in 1 Samuel chapter 3, it uses it to describe Samuel, who not only heard the Lord speaking, but who presented himself as someone who was ready and willing to obey what was said. So here's a great contrast between the right kind of hearer and the wrong kind of hearer. Let's think about what these two examples bring out. First of all, when we hear what God's Word says, we have to be careful not to be rebellious. We don't want to be a rebellious hearer. In Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse number 10, as God describes his people, here's what he says about them. He says, to whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Indeed, their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot give heed. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them and they have no delight in it. In the New Testament, in Acts 7 and verse 51, after preaching a sermon to some unbelieving Jews, Stephen said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, Just as your fathers have always resisted the Holy Spirit, so also do you. And in speaking of resisting the Holy Spirit in that passage, he's simply talking about the fact that they weren't willing to hear what the Spirit said and then apply it and then obey it. A rebellious hearer is someone who simply refuses to listen to what God has to say. Or they listen to what God has to say, but they don't like it. And so they say, well, I know this is what God wants, but I want to do something different. And so they just push it to the side. That's rebellion. That's a rebellious hearer. Second, we don't want to be indifferent in our hearing. Look at Acts chapter 10 and verse number number 33. We're reading about Cornelius in Acts 10 and verse number 33. And the Bible tells us, this is Peter's meeting of Cornelius And Cornelius is speaking to him and letting him know the events that have unfolded. And and here's what he said. He said, so I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God and to hear all the things commanded to you by God. Now, we're not reading the entire context, but what Cornelius is telling us here is that God communicated with him. God gave him instruction to send for one named Simon Peter who would come and tell him all that he needed to know. And 
What was Cornelius' reaction? Well, it wasn't indifference. It wasn't shrugging, the, shrugging his shoulders or saying, I'll get to it later. What, is, what does he say? He says, I sent to you immediately. Cornelius was not indifferent. And that's because what was said or what God had to say mattered to him. But to an indifferent hearer, what God says isn't a big deal. It doesn't matter. It's not something that is worthy of uh, taking, care of in a, uh, taking care of in a timely fashion. It's not something that is, that is worthy of, of giving all of our attention and all of our effort to. Don't be an indifferent hearer. Here's a third. We don't want to be argumentative in our hearing. Look at Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 13. Proverbs 5 and verse 13. Again, we find ourselves sort of at the tail end of a context here, but what's going on is that in verse number 1, the Proverbs writer said, My son, pay attention to my wisdom and lend your ear to my understanding so that uh, you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. What the wise man is calling on his son to do is to, to hear in an appropriate way to be attentive and to take what is said to heart and to put it into action. And then he goes on in verse 3 and following and says, listen, he warns him about the adulterous woman. He warns him about adultery and sexual immorality. And by the time we get to verse number 12 and 13, what he's saying is, listen, if you don't listen to me and you don't apply what I'm saying, if you argue with the instruction that's given, then you're going to find yourself at the end wishing that you had just listened. He says in Proverbs 5, verse 12, you will say this, you're going to mourn, and then in verse 12, you're going to say, how I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ears to those who instructed me. Here is a perfect example of someone who learns his lesson the hard way, the, the, the wise man is simply saying, look, don't argue with what I'm telling you. Listen to the instruction that you're, been, that you're being given because if you don't, if you do argue, then um, there's going to come a time where you're going to regret it. So don't be an argumentative hearer. Don't hear what the Bible says and try and debate with God. Well, God, I know that this is what you want, but let's listen to what God has to say and not argue with him. Finally, James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, we can't be forgetful hearers. James says in James 1, 22 through 25, that a forgetful hearer is someone who hears what God has to say but doesn't act upon it, but doesn't do it. And he says it's like a person who gets up in the morning and they look in the mirror and they see the image of themselves, but then they turn, away and, walk, they turn and walk away and they quickly forget what they look like. So they have to go back to the mirror over and over again would be the idea. Don't be forgetful hearers, but rather be someone who takes what God says and puts it into action. Here's the second part of this. Here's what we need to be. Here's what a hearer, that, uh, the, the kind of hearer that God wants. This is what uh, the right kind of hearing looks like. First of all, it's someone who has ears to hear. Jesus makes this statement a number of times, namely in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 15. He says, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And the idea of that is that this person has a willingness to hear what is said and apply it. 
It's not a superficial hearing. It's not surface-level hearing, but rather it's the idea of paying very close attention, of contemplating what is said and looking for ways to apply it to their lives. It's someone who hears for the purpose of understanding. Ephesians 5 and verse 17 says, Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The idea is give careful attention to what is said. It's hard sometimes to do that when we're listening to the Bible class teacher or to the preacher. But in order to do that, it's helpful for us to, for example, minimize distractions like our phones, for example. Technology is so convenient, right? Because we have our Bible on our iPad and on our iPhone. We don't have to carry as much in our hand. But it's also true that our electronic devices can be distracting because we have access to our email and we have access to the Internet and we have access to check the uh, uh, scores of the cowboy game and whatever else might be going on. These things can be a distraction to us. We've got to minimize distractions. As we're listening, analyze the lesson What's being said? What's the point of the sermon? What's the main idea? What are the primary verses that are being used? And of course, look for application. Think about your own life and about uh, examples in your own life of how what's being said can apply. Finally, the kind of hearer that God wants is someone who hears and obeys. We've seen this over and over again through the lesson, but Hebrews 2 and verse 4, I think, really Uh, puts a a bow on it. In Hebrews 2 and verse 4, the Hebrews writer talks about the Israelites who heard, but their, their hearing, it says, was not mixed with faith. In other words, they heard what was said, but they didn't believe it enough to do it. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24 through 27? He talked about the wise man and the foolish man, and he said, the wise man is the one who hears my sayings and who does them. Listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, and the lesson will be yours. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, the scripture says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. I want you to notice what he says about the word of God at the end of this verse. He describes the word of God as being that which works effectively within us. But what's the condition that's put forth in the beginning part of the verse? He says, you received the word of God, which you heard from us, and you welcomed it. This passage puts the entire lesson in context, in summary form. It's not just hearing with our ears. It's not just hearing audibly what's being said. But it's a willingness to receive it. It's a willingness to welcome it. Which means that we don't argue with it. That we don't reject it. But instead we pay careful attention to it. We pay close attention to it. We're glad to hear what God has to say. And we're willing to take what God has to say and to think about it and wrestle with it and meditate on it and apply it to our lives so that the word of God can do within us what God intends for it to do. That's the right kind of hearing. The word of God works effectively within people whenever it's received. So this morning you've heard the word of God. What kind of hearer have you been? What kind of hearer are you willing to be? 
Maybe this morning as we offer the invitation, you are someone who is not yet a Christian and you'd like to become one. The Bible says that that God's desire is for all people to become Christians. And in order to do that, the Bible says that we have to hear what God says, Romans 10 and verse 17. That we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8 and verse 24. That we're willing to repent of our sins, Luke 13 and verse 3, and confess our faith, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, and be immersed in water for the forgiveness of our sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. Are you, are you ready to do that today? If you're a Christian this morning and you're thinking about your life and you think, you know, there's some areas in my life that I need to improve upon, maybe you're just dealing with some discouragement. Can we pray for you and help you in some way? If so, then come forward and let it be known while we stand and sing together.